0: Yeah, I mean, based on some of the stuff you've been sending me, I'm pretty good time to actually do this chat. I know you and I did that video a few days ago, but even since then, you pulled up a couple good things that are uh, important to talk about, I think.
1: What's going on tonight, everybody? Hey, Walk Fire. Here, y'all. Stop walking. I'm excited to hear what you, uh, what you've been finding in B.
2: Well, it's still cooking, but we got some, uh, definite stuff some we can share and kind of, uh, lay down the, uh, groundwork. Um, and it's also one of those things that you, you start looking at and you realize other people were already ahead of you and they just never got the, uh, acclamation that it should have, but, uh, hopefully we can at least do our part to, uh, make people bring, bring it to the awareness that it deserves and uh the, but the other thing is bringing in the context of things that we've learned recently i think that's really important
1: oh absolutely it's amazing how many you know d- discoveries and things that you can find when you're digging that it's it's someone else has put together a lot of pieces but now that you know more then you can you know add that to the bigger tapestry um and it, it gives it a whole new life and a whole new meaning so just you know of course you know we want to uh, you know, hat tip and, and you know, give uh, give kudos to, to people who have uh, done lots of the groundwork before us. But, you know, when you find something that, that connects to something new, you know, make sure and, and, and keep pushing it out there.
0: Yeah, I think we can go ahead and get started here. And, and for those that missed it today, Gino had a nice shout out for Walk of Fire.
1: It was good to see Walk of Fire being thrown out there. It was nice to hear that. If Dan hears this, I, I appreciate it, Dan, as always. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we can, we can go ahead and get started. I know there's a couple other chats going on right now, and, and maybe we'll get some of that spill over as that wraps up. So um, a few days ago, MB&I did a chat on TDIP, Hamilton 68, new knowledge, and this is kind of like an add-on. So as a quick summary – obviously we have Matt Taibbi out there and he's been doing the legwork, uh, really breaking the news on the Twitter front as far as Hamilton 68 goes, especially where, you know, Hamilton 68 through pretty uh, suspect methodology had identified a few hundred accounts that they said were Russian actors or Russian bots or um, were part of this influence scheme. And as it turns out, I mean, based on Twitter's own analysis, that really doesn't seem to be the case. So, uh, you know there's been a lot of discussion really back t- since 2016 where you know there's a few stories pushed out at least that the Russians had mounted this huge influence campaign. They had uh, created you know thousands of Twitter bots to uh, basically retweet certain items and and really push out a bunch of disinformation into the public. and as it it's starting to unfold, it's really unclear if there were any bots during 2016. And more and more, it really looks like the only thing that's really identifiable is this operation called Project Birmingham that Democrat operatives actually put together. And as a little bit of background context, there's this organization called New Knowledge. And New Knowledge was engaged by the Senate to kind of investigate these allegations of Russian uh, influence. And they produced a report for the United States Senate. And while they were doing that, And wrapping that up, during the 2017 special election in Alabama, they actually mounted a false flag operation. And that's been out there publicly now for a number of years. And New York Times, Washington Post, NPR, a few other places have some articles on it. And basically, they just created at least 20,000 Twitter bot accounts. Uh, There are some reasons to believe it might be higher than that. But based on some reporting that we have, and Margo Cleveland, I think, called this out a few days ago, where over one weekend, Roy Moore, who was the Republican candidate for Senate in the state of Alabama, in one weekend he had 27,000 followers, and by the end of the weekend he had 47,000. And uh, the 20,000 accounts were said to be, you know, Russian in origin. And they used that as a smear campaign against him. Uh, You know, this big operation where they said, oh, you know, He's in bed with the Russians, the Russians are supporting him. You know, he's the stooge for Vladimir Putin. And it was not true. It, that was an operation being done by new knowledge operatives. And what's really sinister about this, and, and MB, you know, kind of refound or found so, sort of this connection, is that you know, we we kind of knew this, and I think there's another user that tweeted it out even after our video, in which you know the same. It's the same people. The New Knowledge and the Hamilton 68 group. They're they're really the same people. There's actually a, a connection between the dashboards that they were creating. So with the same people, you have Hamilton 68 going to the United States Senate, and they're saying, "Hey, Roy Moore, you know the Russians, you know created tens of thousands of accounts, and you got to look at Roy Moore in Alabama. When in reality, it was their friends at New Knowledge that were creating the accounts." And so you have a situation where the Democrat operatives did a false flag operation. They created tens of thousands of Twitter bot accounts. And then then they went to the United States Senate and they told them, hey, these are all these Russian Twitter bots. And there's this huge influence campaign. So, you know, that's the the essence of it. And MB has been doing some really good research over the last few days. So uh, MB, if you want to jump in and and clean up what I might have missed or maybe add on from from your research.
2: Sure. And uh, I'm going to have to throw out a lot of different names real quick and uh, some organizations just uh, to give some context. But uh, I think it's important because these names always seem to come back around and connect with each other. So uh, Reed Hoffman is the billionaire that was one of the founders of LinkedIn. And sometime around 2016, he decided to put a lot of money into politics. And he did that by... Uh, partnering with uh, a guy named Dimitri Melhorn in uh, a bunch of different, basically you'd call it dark money uh, type organizations because they're uh, things where they're not necessarily showing up with reports that you can know where the money's coming from, where it's going. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people have been complaining about that on both sides of the aisle for a long time. And this is definitely a big push in that realm. Uh, I started something called news for democracy uh, uh, something called acronym, something called alloy. Um, it, this this stuff was all over the place, but you would never know about it because you know nobody's names on it. But it all came from from Reed Hoffman. Um, and uh, one of the uh groups that he also started was called uh, Investing in Us, and that was where uh Mikey Dixon, who was a Obama era uh, tech guy that helped set up the uh, Obamacare website. Um, he got money for his organization uh, called uh, American Engagement Technologies and again I'm sorry for all these different names and things but they they are kind of important um, so um, American Ter- Engagement Technologies we're talking uh, 2017 here and there's a special election coming up in the state of Alabama for the senator for Jeff Sessions' seat and uh, kind of the whole country is watching it now this is where Uh, Project Birmingham uh, takes off. Uh, American engagement technology is definitely involved. New knowledge was hired by American engagement. uh, I'm going to call it AET. Um, And we don't know exactly where one starts and the other begins. There's a lot of gray area here that no one has gotten the answers to. So um, 2017, these guys uh, uh, make this uh, Russian bot system to basically frame uh, the Republican candidate, um, they pretty much get away with it. Uh, it, nothing really comes. It's never really discovered until, uh, about a year later when, um, uh, all of a sudden three different news organizations, at least, uh, the New York times, the Washington post and buzzfeed and possibly others, uh, were, they, they all, uh, posted stories about this within a couple of weeks of each other. The first one was the New York times and it was Scott Shane. um, now, Buzzfeed came out a couple weeks later and said, "Oh, by the way, Scott Shane knew about this two months before he published anything." Um, in uh, late two thousand, in uh, uh, I'm sorry, right now we're talking about 2018. Yeah. So, Shane was at a meeting with Mikey Dickinson and some other people. It was a small meeting; there were apparently 13 attendees. This is in September, and he was invited to be a speaker. And Mikey Dixon comes up with uh, someone from Investing in Us called Sarah Hudson, and they bring out this report on Project Birmingham and explain the entire thing. And according to BuzzFeed's interview of Shane, he said, I, it was shocking. I, I had to sign an NDA so I could never publish any of this. I couldn't talk about it, but I found it really uh, disconcerting that they would be doing this and they'd be talking about it openly um, and I'll, I'll put up the BuzzFeed article if I haven't already and you, you guys can read for yourselves. It's, it's really pretty interesting. Um, but Shane didn't publish anything until this report was leaked to both the New York Times, the full the, the full version of this report, The Washington Post and to BuzzFeed. So it's out there. Someone has someone within that organization uh, assumedly has put out this, I think it's a 12 page report. Uh, bragging, I mean, literally bragging about how effective Project Birmingham was and how great it did. Now, apparently they were only allowed by agreement with whoever leaked it to publish the first half of it. So no one has the second half. No, it's not public what the full report is. We've only seen the first six pages. And one of the reasons was the person said they wanted it for anonymity. They thought that, that the second half might reveal who they were, but also that they felt like it made it look like like Project Birmingham was too effective. Like it was bragging so much that it did all these great things. And apparently all the, you know, these liberal news outlets bought that and said, well, they kind of ran with it and said, well, this was not that big a deal. This was, uh, you know, a lot of bragging on this program that didn't have that big of an effect. And they really just were spoon fed uh, everything that uh, they could do to, to play this down. Um, They called it a small experiment and uh, it, it wasn't, Definitely didn't have it uh, no, no, enough of effect to flip the election over. But that's not what the report said at all. The report said the, uh, the opposite. So the question becomes, did the person who leaked this, was this done as a limited hangout because they for some reason knew that something that this was going to come out at some point And they wanted to, uh, you know, establish uh, an, an alibi, basically, or, or level the playing field so that uh, when it did come out, they, they would already have the party line of, oh, it was a small thing. Yeah, it was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it, but it wasn't a big deal. Well, it was a big deal just in the fact that uh, they either did what they accused the Russians of doing or uh, perhaps, I, who knows, maybe this wasn't the first time this was done. So we don't really know. but um, So th- those were the big finds, and those came out. Um, Dan Cohen at uh, um, I'm sure, uh, Gray what's their out the gray zone i'm sorry he did he uncovered most of this at the time but it kind of flew by the underneath the radar and that was long before all everything we learned about hamilton 68 so we know that new knowledge was basically one of the founders of hamilton 68 and we know that new knowledge was somehow wrapped up in project birmingham and was was involved for sure so american Aet a- with Mickey Dickinson is pointing fingers at New Knowledge. New Knowledge, New Knowledge is saying we didn't do it. They're pointing fingers back and said this is not our kind of report. And so we don't know who did what. We don't know who wrote the report. We don't know who leaked the report. The one thing we do know, know is that Mickey Dickinson threw a meeting and made everyone there sign a uh, non-disclosure agreement and read that report and bragged on it. So that's something that we we have. We know for a fact, and we know that Mickey Dickinson is somebody that should be talked to to find out where did he get this report. What did he know? Um, if you go back and look at these articles in the New York Times and Washington Post, they interviewed all these people, but they just let them off the hook. They didn't. They, they just let them give their party line, and they didn't. Uh, they, they certainly didn't pin them down and say, "Well, how did you get this? Where did it come from?" Uh, you know, simple questions that any journalist would ask. So it's it's really uh, you know if, if you read all three uh, uh, the Buzzfeed ones by far the most like scathing or at least you know interested in, in asking some tough questions, um, but the fact that this all kind of just got you know blew by the wayside is is really shocking to me. Anyway, I talked enough for a minute, so you jump <laughs> yeah, back no, that, that was
0: a good summary, and you know with Sarah Hudson being a former Department of Justice official also being involved. And this, this scheme in some ways, it's pretty interesting to see all these Obama officials being around these political schemes for, you know, the Democrats here. And there's a, there, there's a few points I wanted to pile on. So back when this these stories came out, and this is late 2018, where they're reporting on stuff that they're doing the prior year in 20, 2017, you know, there, it didn't get a lot of pickup, right? We have it from the New York Times. We have it from the Washington Post. But I don't remember it being picked up on fox news or anything and 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 part of the reason is you know like they sort of couched it as limited to the alabama senate race and nobody really wanted to go to bat for roy moore but in the larger context what we seem to be looking at now is a situation where these researchers from new knowledge were engaged by the united states senate to produce a report on the internet research agency And they kept telling the Senate, like, hey, there's all these Russian bots. There's all these Russian bots. you got to look at this. And when they were asked to produce evidence, they repeatedly couldn't produce any evidence or they would refuse to turn over this list of accounts. They were keeping that closely held because they knew everything would collapse if they actually turned over this information. So in the midst of all this, in late 2017, where even Twitter's pushing back and saying, like, no, we can't find anything that... Supports these allegations that you're pushing. That's when they decide that they're going to do this false flag operation and they're going to create, you know, 20,000 Russian Twitter bots. And then all of a sudden they can go to the Senate and substantiate these allegations they've been putting out there just to build this narrative. And you have to ask why they would build a narrative like that. What was so important to them about getting that narrative out there? Because, you know, within months of this, that's when we get a little bit more context and detail on what the Russians supposedly did during 2016. That's what it seems like to me because if you actually go back and and you look at some of these supposed or alleged internet research agency activities during 2016, nothing really makes sense. I mean, if you look at the Facebook ad spending, the highest month of spending on ads by the, what – is supposedly, the IRA, was actually May 2016. You know, it's not October, which you would sort of expect as it leads into the election. If it was supposed to be this big influence campaign, that's that's the month you would expect to be the highest. So there's a lot of oddities uh, in the broader context, and then to have the same group, right, associated, that's that's doing this report for the Senate, goes on, and they're the ones that create these false, these, you know, Russian Twitter bots, you just have to ask. Like, that just doesn't make sense to, to go from the, being the person reporting on it to being the person doing it. And that just creates so many more questions for 2016. But there's a couple other points we have to keep in mind because you referenced Mikey Dickerson, who is an Obama official, and he's obviously implicated in this false flag operation and, and many public reports. But at this same time, at this exact same time, Mikey Dickerson, who is also a former Fusion GPS subcontractor, by the way, Mikey Dickerson at the same time was also engaged by the United States Senate in looking at the Bank allegations. At the during this exact same time, when he's going out there and he's creating twenty thousand Russian Twitter bots, he's actually engaged and he's supposedly reporting on the secret communications channel between Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. There's a red flag right there, and then. You know, we have an, another name to throw out there, Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, he ran an organization called TDIP, uh, the Democracy Integrity Project. And that is just a straight fundraising arm, really, for Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, and, as it turns out, New Knowledge. Now, if you go to the 990 forms for TDIP, uh, New Knowledge is actually listed as Poply. They They did a bunch of name changes. But they're actually... You know, one of the significant funders of these operations comes from Daniel Jones. And, of course, John Podesta is involved in fundraising for Daniel Jones. But, you know, circling back to the point we just made, Alpha Bank. So at this exact same time that they're creating these fake Russian Twitter bots, you know, at least through this organization that he's funding, Daniel Jones is heading up that investigation for the Senate into the Alpha Bank allegations, and, and there's a there's another question for Daniel Jones and this entire group. Um, so there's a lot of concerns there for me. And then I think you referenced, you know, there's 13 individuals, and they all, this, all of them signed non-disclosure agreements. But I've also seen in public reporting where this group was largely described as tech, you know, tech people. They're cyber people, cyber researchers. And that, you know, the logical question is, you know, are we going to have any familiarity with any – any other meeting participants that were at this meeting. And I'd be I wouldn't be surprised if we do know a couple names that were at this meeting. So uh, I think those are the main points I wanted
2: to hit for now. MB or Walk of Fire if you want yeah, to continue. Let, let me add one more name because I it, I find it very interesting. And it's it's a woman named Renee Deresta. And she was the author of both of the US Senate Intel Committee uh Findings on uh, on the Russian interference in the election. Uh, she worked for both AI AET for a short time, and then New Knowledge. She came. She she'd been working with Jonathan Morgan for a while, apparently. Um, so we're talking about the 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 the, uh, the bot thing was happening in 2017. Um, the, that election happened in December because it was a special election. Um, she is. At that time, already apparently working with via new knowledge the uh, Senate Committee, the Intelligence Committee, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna uh, retweet this real quick because I think it's important. So on November 1st, 2017, uh, the the tweets Senate Intel Committee repeatedly bring up information warfare. Yes, blah blah. blah. Also, shout out to Hamilton 68. So this is exactly right when she. Either had been working with New Knowledge on Project Project Birmingham, or still was. We don't know because we don't. She has not been real clear about when she stopped working with uh, AET. But um, Dan Cohen seemed to think that she was actually running Project Birmingham at some point. He has that in his in his uh, uh, article. I don't know if that's true, but she seemed to be definitely some some something of a wheel here. And she wrote her, her name on on the uh, Intel committee conclusions. Uh, it's it's absolutely crazy.
0: It is crazy. And um, in the broader context, I mean, in the backdrop of this is the Internet Research Agency. And they were indicted by Mueller for alleged activities. And, and there's sort of this disinformation campaign out there where, you know, in public reporting and some of the press reports, they're talking about Russian bots. And obviously you have Hamilton 68 and Democrat operatives out there, like Clint Watts, who are talking about Russian Twitter bots. But in the indictment of the Internet Research Agency, there is no mention of Russian Twitter bots. All they really flag are a few prominent, they say, Russian accounts, or influencers, that have a number of followers that happen to retweet some Russian stuff. I mean, that's that's the essence of it. And that was sort of laughed out of the courtroom a number of years ago now, um, But it it is, it's extremely alarming to see the same actors and, you know, try not to be like conspiracy, like nut jobs or whatever, but like, how can you not have the specter of conspiracy in your mind when, you know, these same individuals are the one that are behind the whole scheme. And, you know, I, I, circle back to the question I posed earlier, why would they do this? I mean, I don't think they were really interested in the Alabama race. I mean, yeah, they wanted to win, yeah, they wanted to dirty up Roy Moore, but they really wanted to give this evidence to the Senate. And why were they were they trying to give Congress and Senate justification for an impeachment? That's what I, I sort of suspect. They wanted to, to continue getting enough dirt on Trump. And, you know, they just kind of hoped there would be something there where they could, you know, this might be the tipping point for an impeachment. That's what I sort of suspect. MB or Walkfire, you haven't spoke yet. you have any thoughts?
1: Well, I'll, I'll jump in real quick sure. too on kind of the, the overall goal, as it seems to me, you know, as, as we get further and further into this dystopia, um, you know, fighting disinformation with, you know, the government supporting uh, social media and private companies and Censorship and, you know, well, how can we have a democracy if we have disinformation out there? Um, You know, I've I've mentioned before um, about how, you know, Trump came in in 2016 and and really knocked the legs out of the, uh, quote, fake news narrative that had been being slowly injected into our national discourse for, you know, several years leading up to 2016. Um, And again this i'm not trying to go conspiracy as much as just human nature political nature however you want to say it you know the, the 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 first thing that totalitarian uh regimes do is is control the means of communication that's why in war especially before the internet you know you, you go into another country you, you take over their radio stations you take over you you grab those so that you can control the narrative the communication and that's what we've been seeing for years now with fake news, and, and that was scared so many people with Trump, is he came in and, and you know, just shone a light on it and said, Wait a minute, you guys are the fake news. And that became a right wing talking point as opposed to a left wing talking point. So, what do they do? They, they, they just shifted the narrative now that, oh, it's not fake news. It's disinformation that we're fighting. It's misinformation that we're fighting. And that's, it doesn't take a conspiracy. It just takes like-minded people all, all, you know, focused on the same thing. How do we shut down dissenting voices that stray too far from the approved narrative? And, you know, all this stuff with bots and censorship and everything, we're starting to see more and more how formalized it's becoming with this partnership between the federal government and and private companies to, to push unwanted conversations out of the public discourse. And that's where I see a lot of this Hamilton 68 project, Birmingham, all of it, Russian bots, the internet research agency, it, it's all about giving them cover to um, to to crack down and, and stamp out any of these dissenting opinions or voices that they don't like. Um, you know, you think you think back to the, the founders and the First Amendment and, and what were they trying to do with the First Amendment? It wasn't that they were scared that the government would pass a law saying you, you cannot criticize the president. It was for this sort of stuff. It was saying, no, the government can't come in and tell you what is true and what is false, what is good information and what is misinformation. That was the entire purpose of the First Amendment. And and to watch it slowly get turned on its head to say, oh, well, the only way to protect democracy is by stamping out anyone that doesn't agree with us is it's it's scary. It's fibergasting It's all that. Um, so, you know, watching, seeing how they, they play both sides. Well, let's amp up, you know, fake Russian bots. And then on the other side say, see, look, here's all these Russian bots and what happens within a couple of years, we have, you know, the intelligence community partnering with, with Twitter and Facebook and Google and, Everyone else to say, well, this is you know how we how we save the country is by uh, just just stamping out you know any sort of voices that we don't like, and and it's really scary um, to think how much information and, and just communication we have missed out on or not been able to see because it's been stamped the accounts that got banned or anything like that it's it's all the rest of us that self-censored and said well i'm not going to say anything about X because i'm going to get sent and banned if i do that so you know what i'll talk around it or i'll you know talk about it offline but not online and it's 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 crazy just how much they manipulate you know how we interact with each other online now and i think that's a big big part of all this it's that's, that's happening
0: Absolutely. And uh, I, I guess I'm thankful that they didn't deem like our Russiagate stuff as disinformation because we all could have been banned. And and I think, you know, we probably were closer to that than we might acknowledge or we might know about because, you know, all the narratives have been set. I mean, they you still see it. If you go to left wing accounts today, they're pointing to the Senate intelligence community report, there's points of the Mueller report, and all that has been totally debunked. I mean, there's just no value in those reports at all. It's just a total waste of time. Whatever they did is co- almost completely worthless. Um, but as it relates, I mean, circling back to this Project Birmingham, just the fact that you have Mikey Dickerson and Daniel Jones, and we don't know the full extent of Daniel Jones's Involvement in Project Birmingham beyond the fact that he funded them, so uh, you would think he would have to know a substantial amount about what they were doing, um, or he would have to have gotten some type of summary. You'd you'd have to ask him, obviously. But just the fact that all of a sudden these two individuals are tied to Project Birmingham, and at the same time they were they were investigating the Alpha Bank allegations for for the Senate. It's such a red flag, and, and you just have to question all the different you know information streams that were flowing in, of course, to the Senate, and we you know in the broader context as we've talked about all the time, you know whether it's FBI or CIA or State Department and all the different information flows. I mean, this is this is sort of a signature of RussiaGate, where when something is garbage, you know you can almost identify it by, you know the amount of information flows you know if it seems like a coordinated campaign it's probably garbage i mean that's sort of the takeaway and if it seems like it is coordinated it probably is coordinated right and you know nothing about the timing of anything that happens in rushgate seems to be a coincidence it seems to be you know a concerted effort on their part and the more you look at different events not even you know project birmingham the alpha bank i mean you can almost pick up that as a signature and look at a little bit of everything, I think. I don't know, uh, Walk or Fire or MB, if you guys have anything else, go ahead. Or I, I might open this up for questions if anybody has something.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that the, the, the takeaway for me is that this stuff is happening simultaneously, literally simultaneously, that you have the Senate committee and new knowledge is in there. Uh, Their people are running the show. I still understand exactly how that worked out. Um, They they sort of hijacked the whole thing. Um, And simultaneously, Project Birmingham is happening. Like, it's just, it's it's unbelievable that the same people are running a false flag operation that they admitted to. This is not, you know, they admitted to it. They said, yeah, we did it. And uh, it was probably a bad idea. It was no big deal, though. And at the same time, they're, they're the ones that are basically running the show in the, in the U.S. Intelligence Committee, for God's sake. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable that this isn't a bigger story and a bigger deal. It is a big, and, and I think that, I hope that Congress can take another look at this and go, look, we need to find out what, what is in the rest of that report that no one's ever, that has not seen the light of day. You know, uh, we need to find out who was at that meeting. We need to really get to the bottom of this and find out if people that were working for the Senate were also involved in a false flag operation in the Senate operation at the same time, that's a huge deal. So I, man, I really hope that this thing uh, comes back to, to some prominence and gets some legs because this is, uh, it's, it's, it, this is a, a, it's a big deal. That's all I could say.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and as, and, as Undead said, you know, I think you really hit a good point of no one wanted to, to come in and, and defend more on this, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, he, he was kind of a, a kook and you know, the, they picked the perfect race to do it. And you can, I can almost picture them, you know, thinking about it saying, Hey, this race doesn't matter because you know, the Republicans not going to win anyway or shouldn't win anyway, or, you know, he's, he's kooky, or however, they want to say it. Like, th- even if this, you know, makes a makes a difference. It's not going to make a real difference because the Democrats are going to win anyway. And even when we come out and say that we, we did this, no one's going to want to come in and, and defend the losing candidate, which is exactly correct. Um, and so, even on the right, you know, when it came out, we kind of saw it. And said, this is ridiculous. And this is horrible. But what do we want to do? Do we want to have a, a new election? You know, for, for this guy and. It, it, it was, it was masterfully done, and and I hate saying that about the other side, but that's where they, you know, kick us in the ass every time is they know how to manipulate and play the game, and unfortunately, it, it is two separate, separate rules. You know, if the right came in and tried to do the same thing, of course, they would all go to jail. So the, the way that they, they play it, they're always, you know, a couple steps ahead. They've got this laid down. So that, you know, whatever shenanigans happen in 2024, you know, Republicans are still going to be trying to catch up and do the same stuff as 2020 and 2022. Oh, it's about, you know, uh, uh, ballots, not votes or whatever, you know, our our talking point is these days. And they're already moving on to the next phase. And so we're constantly playing catch up. And, you know, hopefully, you know, with with, the new Republican uh, majority in the House, they can they can come back and and get this stuff and say, wait a minute, how do we, how do we stop this stuff from happening again? And not disinformation out. It's how do we stop having the, letting this, uh, these disinformation warriors actually control the narrative and, and control the actual outcomes like they have.
0: Well, and I think you make a good point. I mean, it sort of taps into the frustration that we all have about John Durham and the, you know, the years that have passed. I mean, we're talking about the 2016 and 2017 and, you know, 2018 period. We're years past that now, obviously. And, you know, the Democrats have moved on to other things. You know, I, I sincerely believe there is a conspiracy here. And, You know, if we get John Durham's report, if we get Congress on board to issue subpoenas and go after this, they would find crimes that surpass Watergate easily. I I think we're well beyond anything that happened in Watergate. I think the cover-up is probably 10 times the size of Russiagate, and the Russiagate is massive. So there's so many different phases to this, whether it's, you know, Alpha Bank and Project Birmingham to, you know, Bolster this narrative, and we have questions about the DNC hack, and and it's like, why would they do all this to make the Russian efforts seem worse than they actually were? And the only reason you do that is that there's other elements of it that are also false, and, and that you know that's obviously a, a rabbit hole. And it's like, you know, I don't know if John Durham's going to bring charges, but I know his report's going to be damning because the public publicly available information is damning. I mean, it's irrefutable at this point that the Mueller report, you know, the Senate report, they're garbage. You can't rely on them. You know, it's not just that there wasn't collusion between Trump and Russia. There's real questions about whether Russia really did anything substantively to try to influence the the investigation. I mean, you talk about this big, you know, hack and influence campaign. It's just been crumbling every step of the way. I mean, there's... it, it. You know, it's really, really unclear just how much Russia was actually doing. You know, maybe they bought, you know, two or $3,000 of ads or whatever. But, you know, this big sweeping campaign that was fed to us for years that people still believe is true, it's not true. It, It can't be true because every element of it has been debunked. So, you know, one of the things that really bothers me, and MB mentioned this earlier, Scott Shane. So this is the New York Times reporter. He's the one that broke the story. So he's the New York Times reporter. He broke the story about Project Birmingham. But as MB referenced, he was at this meeting. And how bizarre is it to have a New York Times reporter and what kind of, you know, you have to, you know, you have, to have some stones on you to invite a reporter from the New York Times to this meeting where you talk about a false flag operation. Especially with everything that's going on. And this Scott Shane is the guy that won the Pulitzer as part of the New York Times' coverage of the whole Russiagate saga. And you have this guy sitting there, and you're like, yeah, we did this false flag operation. Look at it. It was really, really effective. And so, yeah, he broke the story a couple months later. You know, he, I guess he violated a non disclosure agreement. But it's just insane to me that there's no follow up, right? And, and I hate to lay into Scott because he is the one that broke the story. But it's like, how do you not follow up with this before you retire, before you you hang up your stirrups or whatever? How do you not dig into this further? How do you not push out that that report that apparently, you know, is floating out there? How do you not have this? You know, I, I just don't understand it. I, I don't understand how a group can invite a reporter there or have a reporter there and think it's okay to outline a false flag operation. And I think. Somebody's got to answer questions, and, and it's it's insane to me.
2: Well, I, you know, I I agree a hundred percent that the media angle of this is just as big of a scandal. And uh, Shane didn't break his NDA. I, everything he talked about, he said it was around the NDA, so he's still stuck there's still stuff that he did not disclose that happened at that meeting. And he still has access to that full report, assumedly, and he has not put it out. And I just, I read a pod, uh, listened to a podcast that somebody interviewed uh, Scott Shane uh, a couple of years ago and asked him some actually pretty tough questions about, well, you know, this project Birmingham is a serious deal. And he really was just going by their company line that, well, they say that it was actually just an experiment and it was small scale and blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, well, if, if you're running an experiment and uh, on uh, hijacking airplanes, do you go hijack an airplane? <laughs> I mean, cause that's what they did. <laughs> and he didn't have a good answer for that. It's like, that would have been my first question is you're, you if it's not a crime, it should be a crime and you're doing it to find out how it's done that. I mean, that, that's crazy. I mean, w- once you establish that
0: Clinton had paid for the dossier in October, 2017, and everything had started – had already been falling apart. I mean, even if Scott Shane didn't have inside information, to, the progress in the Mueller investigation, there were clearly signs out there that there were some issues. So in the context of, of him sort of getting the heads up on this into 2018 and, you know, how do you not – how do you not really dig into – like? If you're at this meeting and you're saying he didn't violate a non disclosure agreement, there's more information, like that's that's totally insane. Like I, I just can't I can't wrap my head around that whole sequence of I'll, events. I'll give you one better on that. Yeah.
2: I, I don't know I don't know that he ever would have published that article if the if the report hadn't been leaked to three different outlets.
0: That's a good point.
2: I don't know that. Once he knew that it was out there, he knew he was going to have to write the article. I'd have no evidence that he would have done it otherwise. Well,
0: I think it's an important to point out and you pointed it out earlier, he didn't mention that he was at this meeting. <laughs> he omitted that fact from his report. That was actually something that BuzzFeed BuzzFeed actually put out there. So, you know, that's kind of that's kind of unusual to omit something like that.
2: Yeah, he defended it as Oh, we do that kind of thing all the time we'll you know agree to not uh yeah but that's not the same as going to a meeting where you're a speaker and there's it's a you know it's thirteen people and that and you sign an NDA uh, <laughs> I don't know I'm not an expert on media ethics but that doesn't seem right I don't I and not not to disclose that he was there or that he had some prior knowledge and some prior I mean he's part of the story that's why BuzzFeed's inter- interviewing him and he didn't disclose that that's that's It's ridiculous. I think it's unusual that he stopped where he
0: did, where, you know, in the context that was, you know, 2017 and 2018, with all this reporting out there about this, you know, big Russian influence campaign, how do you not prompt the question of, oh, you know, these same people are the ones that are reporting on this for the United States Senate, and they're the ones doing it. Why didn't he put the question out there? Like, okay, did they have something to do with 2016 and some of the reporting that's out there? Or is this all, you know, he he seemingly just took their word for it. Like, oh, yeah, we just did this, you know, as a test of the Russian procedures or whatever. And, and how do you just accept that at face value? And like, oh, yeah, you know, they were just testing this out. I, I I have some real concerns with what had to be in his mind at the time. Um. Let's see. If anybody wants to ask questions or anything. That's kind of why we did this on Spaces instead of another YouTube chat, was to have a little bit more back and forth and see if we could kind of brainstorm or think about some stuff. Anybody? I'll keep it open for a minute or two. Don't be shy. I'm tired
2: of talking. Please (laughs) jump (laughs) in.
0: Throw me a lifeline, folks. Yeah, and if anybody was looking for like a more, more of a description, or they want to see like visual uh, setups, MB and I did a, a discussion, so it's on our YouTube and Rumble channels, and we actually go through some of the news articles. So,
2: That's yeah, I think there's some more stuff. This this has all happened pretty fast, and we've been working on it pretty hard for a couple of days. Yeah. So, um, I think when we have a chance to to actually uh, do a little bit more that uh, that'll be a good platform because we could show all the documents and walk everybody through it because it's one thing when, you know, people say a lot of things, but this stuff is rock solid documented. I mean, Reed Hoffman admitted that, you know, he funded th- this thing. So he didn't know anything about it. Jonathan Morgan said, Oh yeah, that was us, but we didn't do it. You know, all these people are on record. So <laughs> you don't have to believe us. It's all, it's all out there.
0: And, and I think it's just important to keep this in mind as Matt Taibbi continues to report on Hamilton 68. And Matt Taibbi has certainly alluded to New Knowledge in his reporting. So it's not like we're, you know, adding on like a great deal. I mean, Taibbi knows all about New Knowledge, and and I think he, you know, he's he certainly included that in someone's reporting. But I think it's just important to keep this in mind in the context where we know there is a link between New Knowledge and Hamilton 68 now. So every time that Tybee's out there putting out new information about Hamilton 68 or new knowledge just keeps us in mind. Like there's, there's actually a project Birmingham where these same individuals weren't just reporting on this for the Senate. They weren't just putting this out there in the public. They were the ones actually doing it. And then they fed their own work, their own false flag operation. They held it out there as legitimately, you know, the product of Russian actions. So that's pretty insane. Um, Mansour, I, think you're connecting, I don't know if it, it's working or not, but if you wanted to speak, go ahead.
3: Hello? So, we got gotcha. you. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I was wondering if you guys had looked at or what you thought about, um, like, the level, the late. Apologies, folks. We'll try to get this
0: sorted out. There we go. Hey Mansoor.
3: Can you guys hear me?
0: Yeah, what's up, man?
3: Oh. Uh, I was like talking for um I was just I would just had a question. I was wondering if you guys um um had looked into or what you think about like the layer on top of these these participant private companies. So by the layer above, I mean like like I think Elon today tw- tweeted out something about uh, the Department of State uh, Global Engagement Center, um, or more specifically like remember all the Krebs stuff and the Department of Homeland Security, um, they have that thing called the like election Integrity partnership. Um, so some of those other groups that were that were working with the companies like Atlantic Council, um, the Digital Research Lab, all that stuff. You guys like looked into to some of that because kind of echoing what I guess walk fire was saying, um, you know, like the new knowledge and the, the, what do you call it? Which operation was it? The Roy Moore operation, you know, like in 2017 was after Trump was already elected. Um, so that doesn't affect like Trump's election but that's like when they first started pushing all this disinformation. um, I don't know what you want to call it. Tidal wave um, beginning in 2017. And like also as Walk of Fire kind of said, like we're, we're like well beyond 2017 stuff now. Right. Um, As far as the 2020 election cycle goes, everything that they're doing now is so much more formalized um, they're legitimate quote-unquote departments of both Department of State and Department of Homeland Security now that now we actually have detailed records on exactly who and what they were censoring in some of the 20 election uh, run-up, you know, actual Twitter accounts, right-wing right Twitter accounts. We have way better reporting on stuff that happened already in the 2020 election cycle. So I guess my question is I I don't think I've heard you like speak about, you know, that that governmental layer above that is operating with all these same people. Um, Like I forget the Darista lady. Um, She went from new knowledge right into like, I forget what she's running now. Um, But so I just wonder what you guys thought about that because they call it like, you know, a so-called, I think they call it whole of society um what censorship network now public public and private cooperatives uh and NGOs and think tanks that is all formalized now and and kind like of like Fire was saying it's almost to a degree like almost overwhelming um almost seems impossible at this point to untangle so yeah, I just wonder what you guys thought thoughts were on like the larger, especially because if you look into Atlantic Council, um, like a lot of their goals are synced in transatlantic, um, you know, like Atlantic Council is is London based, and they were deputized by Department of Homeland Security to censor Americans in our 2020 election, so we're like well beyond uh, Project Birmingham um, to a scary degree. And just wondering, any thoughts on that in general? Thanks.
0: Well, I think it's, we're talking about a couple different things. So as it relates to Project Birmingham, I mean, you're, you're really, you're talking about what was effectively a Clinton operation. I, I think that's sort of another tier of this campaign that was being waged against Trump. And you know, I don't know if you can directly tie it to Hillary Clinton, but it's certainly the same operatives, and they're they're conducting it really for the intention of dirtying up Trump and damaging his presidency and uh, maybe getting him impeached. I, I don't know, but I think that's you know, as it relates to Project Birmingham, you're talking about probably something that was much more focused on. Trump and you're talking about more of a uh, probably a criminal activity I I would I would think at least um, it would be criminal to to do this and and especially you know you're giving information to the Senate and everything of that nature but as it relates to more broader you know disinformation boards and and everything else that we've heard about over the last couple years I mean I I view that as different so that's more of a government you know bureaucracy where they're you know they're bringing in left-wing extremists and you know obviously they're, they're looking to ban and twitter you know ban accounts ban people with different viewpoints things of that nature and, and obviously control the narrative and that's i see, i view that as a different and separate campaign and uh yeah mb walk far you guys want to jump in go ahead
2: yeah i actually monster sure that's something i've been thinking a lot about and i was looking at that um Mostly because I think if there's a crime here, it might have something to do with public money getting into one of these schemes. In um, Hamilton 68, we know is founded by, uh, funded by the Alliance for securing democracy. And anytime you hear the word democracy in one of these titles, you just know that there something's wrong with them. Uh, and they were uh, getting money from the German Marshall fund, which definitely takes public money from the U S and other countries. So, You know, I'm sure that there's some firewalls and things, but then again, money's fungible. And it it probably is that some of this money has, you know, filtered down. Uh, So your tax dollars at work uh, censoring the American people, thats that to me is like, that might be something that resonates really well with a lot of people. That, hey, wait a minute, my tax dollars were were done to set up this garbage?
3: Right. Like, it it was already reminding me of the stuff that you guys had looked at with DARPA um, and Jaffe and the DNS you know, same thing. It was like a same kind of abuse, um, of public partner, public private partnerships, which do exist, uh, you know, for legitimate, uh, security concerns, but they all can be bent. Um, so, but as far as like, you know, if you're, if you're trying to focus on specific crimes, like, yeah, you know, you might be able to get, I was just wondering, you know, like what, it just seems like it's just a big, big ball out of control now. Um,
1: well, I I'd agree as well. I think um, kind of even big big bigger picture. You know, it, it, if you think about in the last ten years, how much um, you know the the Republican Party has has left big business. You know, Republicans are about big business, and now you know, ironically because of Trump, you know, one of the the biggest business owners out there we're all anti-big business, but I think that comes down to, you know, crony capitalism, um, uh, uh, how to formulate this in a, in a good way. Um, you know, public-private partnership is, is great, but just like having, you know, an administrative agency is great, but, you know, the it's great when it first starts, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until next thing you know, it's out of control. And how do you stop it? And what we're seeing, not just in, in our country, but at a global scale is we're not talking about individual countries anymore. And, and what they, um, you know, what's best for them. It's, it's all about stakeholders. You know, if you, you start noticing that word everywhere, stakeholders,
4: you know, 100%. It's,
1: it's the, it's the the private companies. It's the NGOs. It's the nonprofits. It's the governments. You know, we we all have a piece in this. It's I mean, it really is a, just a new form of of socialism, um, where you know you don't exist for yourself. You exist as a stakeholder in in some broader, bigger you know ultimate good sense. And as we watch all the stuff keep playing out you know, you can you can go all the way you know extreme looking at the world economic forum and what they're talking about but but you know focusing more on this project birmingham and, and what it was about you know journeying up trump sure but bigger it, it's not a crime because they're doing it with not just the blessing of our government but but hand in hand with the government you know we can do this in order to present it to the Senate, so that the Senate can pass new laws and regulations and 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 change the way that we interact with each other as individuals, as as uh, companies, and as countries. So ultimately, it's all one big—it's I mean, a swamp, and that's 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 why that term resonates with everyone and. and the deep state and all that, but deep state again, doesn't mean that everyone got together in a room and planned something out. It's, it's so nebulous. It's, it's, it just grows. It's the Leviathan. That's, that's how it works. And it, as it keeps getting further and further along, you know, do you want, uh, accountability, now hey look what these guys did back in 2017 2018 yes but bigger picture is what can we do from a uh, as congress as a legislative body to say no this is not how we're going to move forward as a country no we're not going to have global engagement centers where we fund and push propaganda not on our own people no just internationally. But then we also work with other stakeholders over with our allies who will push propaganda back toward us. And so it's not us doing it. It's it's other stakeholders doing it. So you can't you can't come back and pin it on us. And it it's so deceitful and just disgusting how it how it works. But, you know, politics in and of itself is disgusting. I mean, I've I've been there for a few years in different places, um, and, and watched the sausage get made. And however much you want to say, I want politics to be clean. It's never going to be clean. So the only thing you can do is say, okay, how do we restrict the ability of politicians to do the things that they're doing these days? You know that goes back to. The crony capitalism, corporatism, you know, these big businesses push these things because they know that that will get them favor with governments, which then turn around and do things because that gives them uh, fundraising abilities with big businesses. And and so they both get fat off each other, leaving us, you know, as individuals getting nothing. Um, Realized I'm on a soapbox again, so I will step back down. But that's that's where I see. More this project Birmingham and and uh, I'm getting lots of likes per se. <laughs> I'll step off my soapbox, uh, but that's where I that's where I see most of it going. Not necessarily to dirty up Trump per se, but but to change the trajectory of of what the people themselves can do and how we can affect change. We were not supposed to be able to elect Trump in 2016. And yet we did. And so they had to redouble, triple, quadruple their efforts um, to make sure that that would never happen again.
3: Same with Brexit.
1: It's same with Brexit. I think Brexit's the thing that freaked Christopher Steele out. It freaked everyone out. And that's when they realized, oh, crap. We got to step up our efforts. And they did. We watched it throughout you know, the summer and fall of 2016, and they still couldn't stop it. And And so that's when they, like I said, just went balls to the wall and have been pushing all this crap down our throats. How do we change it? It's tough to say. It's going to take Congress passing things. I'm not going to, I don't don't think we're going to get anything judicially that would say you can't do this or you can't do that. It's going to have to be Congress that that does things.
0: I think it'd be great to see Congress really step into Russiagate full force and, I want to jump in and there. I got a couple DMs. like I, you know I, I don't know what they're really going to do. I mean, they certainly talked a good game where you know they're talking about, you know, going against the weaponization of the government, they're talking about, you know, looking into Russia gate and you know all these different scandals and you know th- there might be too, you know, too many eggs in the basket where I I really wish they would just focus on Russia gate and you know all the different things that we've we've found over the last you know couple of years, and and really look at it because I I always make this point every spaces chat John Durham's report is not going to have everything and it's not going to be the end. You know everybody wants it to be the end. It's not going to be the end because it's it's just not going to have. You know if anything, it's going to be through the lens of John Durham and uh, you know in so many ways we're going to have questions and if you're an honest person, you're going to want to hear it from these individuals that Durham heard it from too. So, you know, I would like to see them call in, you know, a Daniel Jones or a Mikey Dickerson or a Reed Hoffman, you know, Reed Hoffman kind of did, you know, he posted an article, he wrote an article himself and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't know. Okay. We'll call him in and let's, you know, he, he knows names, right? Who did you speak to? What did they tell you they were going to do? You know, where are your emails? Give us all the emails, and that's something they can absolutely do, and just put this out there in the public because this should be a major story. You know, we know about this. We know about a global data collection program. We detailed that in a video a couple, I think, a week ago. Um, we know there are a lot of issues with the DNC hack attribution. We know it's some of the same researchers implicated in the Alpha Bank scandal. And here, you know, more researchers implicated in the Alpha Bank scandal are, are now associated with this. And it's like, I want to hear from these, these guys. You know, I, I don't want it all through the lens of John Durham. And I'm sure it's going to be a great report. It's going to have a lot of answers for a lot of different questions. But it's not going to have everything. So let's get those subpoenas out there. We only have two years before this next election. And, you know, if they're going to raise objections, that are, if they're going to fight the subpoenas, let's do it now. You know, let's have that fight now, and let's not get into a situation like 2018, I think it was, or even 2020, where okay, I think it was the Senate, you know, issued a bunch of subpoenas, and then nothing happened. Right? People just ignored them. You know, they didn't have to do anything, and we still have some of the same questions. And uh, I'd like to see them get going a little bit. I'm still giving them another week or so before I really, you know, bring the hammer down in my public public comments on them. Not that they. They care about what I think, but um, you know I'm going to be pretty critical if if they're they're not going to look at Russia, gay Because as important as everything else is, and, and I, I certainly think they merit inquiries. You know, this is about you know a group of people, a pretty large group of people that put our com- country in jeopardy. I mean, that's what they really did. They 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 tried to overthrow a president. That I mean, I don't think that's hyperbole at all because it wasn't just about not getting him elected. It was about keeping him from ever being reelected. And you know I think they were really pushing towards an impeachment. So um, obviously we had three years of nonstop coverage of this. I don't think it would hurt for the same organizations to, to do a few more months of coverage. I mean, we had all those months and now you don't hear anything. You don't hear anybody talking about Project Birmingham and the connections that we just made over the last couple of days. You don't hear them reference to the global data collection program that MB and I de- uh, detailed a week or two ago, and there's some other there's some other finds, there's some other things that we we know about. So um, that's my that's my soapbox. And Robin, if you want to jump in with a question, it's probably good for me to get, on, get off my soapbox.
4: <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Hi. Hi. Um. Wow. You know, I just I just want to say i'm so grateful for you guys because you you bring a a level of uh clarity to a lot of issues and i've been listening to so many spaces this last week about different aspects of this whole thing it just i feel like i need to go back and reread everything and re-listen to everything because there's just a lot and it feels like it's layers upon layers to me i call it incestuous um you know wouldn't that CR, cjr article came out uh by girth that kind of put a lot of things into context in sort of layman's terms again you know i don't know how you guys feel about that but i mean it felt like for once somebody had hit the nail on the on the head with some of this stuff and and um and it, of course everybody was you know on the left was putting it down Okay, and I come from the left. I'm not a. I'm not a right or left. I'm an independent, and I left in 2016 after voting Democrat for 40 years. So I am really um, keen on getting to the root of what happened in 2016, and it started in a primary with you know the DNC, and so I'm just I I wanted to share that um, today I heard a bunch of, I think it was two or three FBI whistleblowers in one of these spaces. And I think as I put it down in the bubble down below and I noticed it was seven hours and I'm like, well, I didn't listen to all seven hours. So I know. And then the guy just said something about to go in three quarters of the way. But anyway, um, what I wanted to get at is, you know, between Durham's investigation and the stuff that's coming out with Matt Taibbi's Twitter files and CJR's, you know, Jeff Gersh or Gersh, I don't know, how he, I don't know, I'm probably messing up his name. Um, I, I think the momentum is climbing. People are starting to talk about this more and more and asking questions and connecting the dots and that's what this room was about today earlier. I listened to, they were connecting all kinds of dots and people were just like light bulbs going on in their heads in there, you know? So then there's different threads people are putting out and you guys are putting that out. And I put something out from you undead about, cause I, I started looking up. um, uh, uh reed hoffman because he came up in the 2020 primaries in the dnc he was nefarious then he had this app that he put out and there was an our iowa caucus was all screwed up because of him he was involved in that he was involved in that and he was involved in stacy abrams uh fair fight campaign crap so he he's not a good guy you know he's got he's got bad vibes from both sides i think i don't know I, I'm just going to have to reread all of that stuff. But I did find that your article that you'd put out on Mickey, um, whatever the guy's name was, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting them all mixed up. I just wanted to bring it to, to you guys that that keep at it because I think, you know, when Durham comes out, with his report, if he is, I I kind of feel like is maybe he's being held on to because there's more things that have come out, especially with the Hunter Biden laptop stuff too, even. Um, maybe that's all involved. I think they're all kind of layered onto each other and they there's so many of the same players across the board. It's just amazing when you start listening and I mean I feel like I need a whiteboard here. You know what I mean? (laughs) I do. Because I feel like I keep hearing these same names and they're all, like you were saying earlier, they're all in these different aspects of this stuff. So anyway, I don't know if I made any sense. I just, I don't really have a question. I just wanted to bring that to your attention that there's a few things that I've posted and I, I think I put your article or your, um, your sub, I think it was your Substack article um, uh, in the bubble as well. All right, that's enough for me.
2: Yeah, we yeah what keeps me up? What keeps me up at night is that we're still five years behind. <laughs> like we're looking at stuff from 2017 still, and especially with the tech stuff, how much is it advanced? You know, we're 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 so far behind, and uh, until some progress gets made, where some of these people start answering some serious questions, we're not going to know. I mean, we have a group here that is acknowledged that is proven to have run a false flag operation on an American politician on purpose, and we know that group is involved in a lot of other things, and so we know that there are people who do that. We, and, and that they've never been questioned; they've never been put under under oath, as far as we know. Uh, that, that's that's nuts. I mean, who, who, all all the different aspects of Spygate we still have questions about, and this is one where there's people that could give us some answers, and that hasn't happened yet.
0: I think there's. I mean, I think you're spot on, MB, and and this is where the Democrats really have a leg up on the Republicans. They have an element of pageantry where even if there's no substance to allegations that they're, they're looking into the way they spin it and they'll do primetime hearings and they'll, you know, they'll push out all these narratives and they have, you know, all these different layers of how they're going to attack different things. And you know what? We have the substance on our side. You know, we have justification for asking the questions we want to ask. I would love to see the Republican Congress, bring in some of these guys, do a primetime hearing, you know, put them on the spot eight o'clock at night and just start asking questions. And you know what, if they want to take the fifth, leave them up there, make them take the fifth all night long. I'd I'd be fine with that. You know, it's not a courtroom where, you know, they have to worry about what the you know influencing a jury or anything like that. I don't care. Leave them up there. Let them take the fifth or better have them answer the questions. You know, Why is Daniel Jones funding, you know, this false flag operation? Why, you know, why why is there so much wrong with the Bank allegations and and sort of his investigation of that? And, you know, let's put all the information out there. Let's get all the reports, put it all out there. And, uh, you know, as far as classification goes, I don't even, like, as far as the Republicans go, they made this big deal about, they're going to be like the church committee. You know, that's what we heard about for weeks. They want to be like the church committee. Well, the church committee exercised unilateral declassification authority. They didn't. They didn't listen to the executive branch. The Executive branch, the president said, no, we want to keep this classified. And you know, the church committee said, no, we're going to put this out there anyway, and they unilaterally declassified it. And and you know, this Republican Congress, this subcommittee, they can certainly do that if they choose to, or they can read it into the record and they're protected in doing that. And, you know, there's so much that's wrong here. Give it to us. I mean, you know, I think, you know, this corner has certainly proven ourselves and proven our ability to piece together some pretty important information from documents that get released. So give us the Hipsy the report on the ICA. You know, give us some of these other transcripts or, that are in there And, you know, reading the CrowdStrike reports into the record. You know, whatever it takes to get the information out in the public and, you know, whether it's us or whether it's another group, we'll start connecting the dots. I mean, you you don't even have to, you know, engage all your staffers in this big, long investigation by that point because we'll do it for free. You know, we we enjoy doing this kind of stuff. So, you know, give us the the tools and we'll put them together.
4: You know, I remember when... um... Um, well, now I just, the name went out of my brain. Um, the guy that's uh, from Kentucky, the guy, the Massey, I remember him being in one of the, one of the rooms and he was, you know, acting like he was going to come back to some of these rooms because he was gaining information from, I don't know if it was your guys's one or where, who I was listening to at the time, but I feel like we should start inviting those guys that are on that committee and, um, and Matt Taibbi and give him some of the search terms you need and, and and just start involving the people that are actually digging in or, or like Massey has is the guy that's going to be on that committee. He's going to have to ask the questions, right. And get the subpoenas out. It just feels like. There's just so much information out here and they aren't accessing it because who I'm sure they don't have time to sit and listen for five hours or two hours to these spaces. But there's a lot of good wealth of information here. And it feels like, oh, I just want I want the people that could do something about this to like have their lights going. Wait a minute. Look at this. You know what I mean? Can, can they be this stupid that they don't see all this stuff? I mean, seriously, maybe they're just too busy. I don't know.
1: Well, I, 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 I think that you make great points. And I want to go back real quick to, you know, you brought up the CJR uh, article or, or series of articles, um, which I think kind of addresses a little bit about what you're talking about. You know, and as Undead said, you know, the, the, the Dems have the pageantry where we have the substance but you know our substance is you know I, a lot of it is just in my head a lot of it is in undead's head and a lot of it's in mp's head and we will talk about it in in uh, dms or um on spaces like this and they can go 5 hours how is someone supposed to distill all of that um and when those cjr uh, articles came out and i i read through them and i i don't think Maybe one or two little small things, but I don't think I learned anything actually new or explosive. But, but I thought it was great as a distilled narrative of what happened and how the media ran with this whole you know, steel dossier crap and, and how it snowballed. And and I was talking to some different folks. I said, This this is what I can send to someone who's not involved, who hasn't followed it like we have, who hasn't, you know, read all the Twitter threads and listened to all the spaces and interviews. This is something I can send to someone and say, Take twenty minutes out of your day or forty five minutes out of your day if you you know really want to read it slowly, and read this and you will get so much more than me trying to say okay now read this new york times article over here and read this buzzfeed article over here and then if you read this uh twitter thread here and then go listen to this spaces for five hours and then come to me with questions you might slowly start to figure things out it's being able to package things into that narrative form and show this this is what you need to know this is the, the the top of the line the big picture the 30,000 foot view of what's happening or what's happened before. And that way you can get people to really start understanding what's happening. And I think that's what, um, you know, I'm just spitballing here right now, you know, even the Durham report, we're going to get so much information from that and it could be 500 pages. And most of the public is not going to read it. They're going to listen to what Sean Hannity has to say about it or, what Rachel Maddow has to say about it or someone in between. You know, what what needs to happen is, is little cliff note versions of reports or the stories or you know the Project Birmingham, you know, just being able to compile it all with citations and say, here's a ten page overview as opposed to, you know, this sprawling uh, 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 you know, web of links and sources, and so I think that's something that our side or the, the, the the church committee you know maybe even people in the corner can can devote some time to you know i, I don 't want to uh, you know promise anything that no one can can produce, but I think that's that 's kind of where our focus needs to start being is how do we distill this into something that can be passed? on to a layperson and at least get them the basics simply easily and quickly
0: see i i think that's an impossible challenge because whether it's rachel Mano or sean hannity or somebody in between i don't think i don't trust anybody to get the story right i I don't think they have the background they haven't shown that they're doing the research now to where they're going to be able to read the durham report and make the connections that you know, you or I or MB or or anybody else in our corner is going to be able to make. So I think they're going to be so far behind. I think you're looking at a period of weeks really before they could get to the point that they could actually re- report on it responsibly. So I think that's where, you know, the church committee could sort of come in and sort of act as a media entity in that, you know, they could instead of doing, you know, two minute, you know, questioning rounds, appoint one or two, uh, you know, representatives of the church committee that are really engaged in this and and really know it to to pose all the questions. And then, you know, 8 p.m. every night, you know, one week, maybe you're going to do a DNC hack, so you you line up all your witnesses. And the entire week, you're just going through for maybe an hour and a half, you know, 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., you just have these witnesses up there you know, you open up with a 10-minute overview of what you're you're talking about and why, and you know, then go through your your questions with your witnesses, and maybe you don't even give the Democrats a chance to, to ask questions. I mean, you know, we saw enough of that with the the January 6th Committee. If you don't have the people asking questions that you want, then you know, you don't let them ask questions, and and we can be a little bit more like the Democrats like that. But you know, between eight and third and nine thirty p.m., just have you know. Have your witness up there. Have two witnesses. And you can run through those questions in an hour and a half pretty easily. And that way, you know, it's on C-SPAN. And, uh, you know, more and more people don't trust, you know, they don't go to CNN. They don't go to MSNBC or Fox News. You know, if there's a, a hearing out there, you know, it's going to be pushed out on Twitter. It's going to be pushed out. It's going to be covered. People are curious about this stuff. And and they're going to want to hear this. And, I, you know, hopefully, you know, you would think like Fox News or somebody would cover it. But you're talking about millions and millions of people hearing stuff they've never heard before, and you don't even need to wait for John Durham. I mean, I think it would be great for them to do the hearings now. I mean, start getting the witnesses up there. Start doing the interviews. You know, Find out which ones you want to put in a primetime spot. Maybe, maybe there's others you want to keep behind closed doors. And, and start going through that. And then, you know what, when the John Durham report comes out, that's your big, you know, that's your big climax, right? That way you can take all the information out there. You know, you can bring in John Durham, interview him, ask him questions and everything. And that way you're disseminating the information responsibly, you know, to millions and millions of people. And, you know, you're just not going to get that without. That's the only way that I see this country finds out what happened in Russiagate. You know, we're talking about about seven years ago because the media is just not going to do it. You know, the left-wing media is going to say, uh, you no, know, no criminal charges. That's going to be the headline. That's all they're going to talk about. And then they're going to talk about whether John Durham, you know, was on a witch hunt, or whether you know they need to investigate John Durham and and you know go after his law license. That's what they're going to be talking about on most outlets. And then on the right wing side, they're going to say this is so bad. How can John Durham not have brought criminal charges? That's going to be the discussion. And the meat of the report and all the important findings are are gonna go by the wayside, and, and they're not gonna talk about the right right topics, and they're not gonna pose the right questions. So um, that's me on my soapbox again, but I, I put a lot on the Republican Congress to really step into a role where they're doing oversight over what the government did, over what you know some of these contractors did, but they're also doing a public service, and they're pushing us out there um, and getting more eyes and more information directly to people that was a lot um does anybody else have questions or they want to step in with something
4: come on you guys i know you have (laughs) some
0: well that's that's all right um we can go ahead and, and end it here. I mean, like I said, MB and I, you know, we did a video on the stuff on rumble on YouTube a few days ago, but, uh, we felt like doing this on Twitter as a space of chat would present an opportunity. If people did have questions, um, wanted to be available and a little bit more engaged with that. So I'm going to go ahead and end it here guys. Uh, hope everybody has a good week and, uh, We will see you next time.
4: Thanks a lot, you guys.
2: Thanks, everybody. See you guys.